0: Today's episode of the Sixers beat Rich and I talk about the Sixers signing Ryan Brokoff, about the NBA releasing the schedule for the final eight games of the regular season and some of the developments which might impact the NBA's return to play in Orlando. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? We have some a little little bit of news to talk about.
1: It's a little bit. It's it's a slow trickle. I enjoyed the ESPN show, trying to drag it as long as possible. I think <laughs> I, I really sat there about eight minutes in and thought, are they really not going to release? Everybody's schedule until eight o'clock online. And they didn't go that far, but yeah, it, it does go to show that we are starved for uh for programming and I'm sure there were way too many eyeballs on that schedule, yeah. at least.
0: I thought about that while well because I, I wrote about something earlier today about Ryan Brokoff, that guy, as as we talked about earlier before the podcast. But I, like I'm sitting there watching Synergy, I'm like, I don't I don't need to be like, no, what am I doing with my Friday night? Like this is Ryan Brokoff. He's a 17th guy on the roster. He probably isn't going to play, um, but it is It is just like, holy crap, that is like a, a a normal basketball transaction that we can talk about and we can make too much about. And boy, did I miss that in my life. Boy, did I miss that one in my life. Oof.
1: Absolutely. All right. So, so let's- where do,
0: we, do we start off with the accountant or do we go with the schedule or how do we want to go with this one?
1: So let's do, who, wait, who's the accountant?
0: that that's his nickname according to basketball reference. Ryan broke off.
1: Ah, and we we know those are always very They're accurate. They're always right because yeah.
0: Sean Foreman, who is a uh, a Philadelphia resident and a 76ers fan, he would he would never make those up. Never.
1: The uh let let's go with the accountant and let's do this. Let's try not to talk more than he plays for the Sixers, which could be hard because by just mentioning the accountant we might have gone over the allotted time. Then.
0: <laughs> well, it is interesting, right? Because the, the the schedule has, what, I think eight games in 14 days. Yeah, what am I saying? So he's, gonna, de-
1: he's definitely going to get in. What it's going to
0: be a real jam-packed schedule. They're probably going to rest a lot of people, especially because there's no real benefit to any real movement. Um, so he might end up playing more than we expect. But new rule, we cannot talk about him for more than he will play in the playoffs, which, uh, cha- which means we probably have about two minutes left of blowout time to get in through this. So I guess, and this we're not starting the clock yet because this is not technically about him. But there was a little bit of confusion earlier about what does this mean by them signing him? Because there's some some wording used where they called it a a substitute um, signing. So I guess real quick, the NBA expanded the rosters to 17 for the playoffs. Easiest way to think of it is you get 15 normal roster spots and then two two-way contracts. Normally, a two-way player is not eligible for the playoffs.
1: The Shake Milton thing last year. The Shake Milton controversy
0: last year, absolutely. And turns out you might have actually used him last year. But typically, they would not be eligible for the playoffs. You'd have to convert them to a standard NBA contract. Now they are eligible for the playoffs. And also, if you don't have two two two-way players signed, like the Sixers, the Sixers only have Mario Shayok, you can then go out and sign a player with three years or less of experience to a, a substitute two-way contract. It's not technically a two-way contract because you don't have two-way contracts anymore because there is no G League anymore for the rest of the season. So it's a substitute for those two-way contracts. That is what um, Ryan off. who, as we said before, the podcast sounds like he should be a news anchor. That is what he is assigned to. He is the 17th person on the roster. He is playoff eligible. He is Orlando eligible, all that stuff. There's another form of a substitute contract, which basically is for if, so if one of the players decides that they don't want to risk it and go down to Orlando, they don't want to participate in the resumed season. If a player while they're down in Orlando contracts coronavirus and is not able to play, you can then sign somebody else as a substitute for one of those players. That's a very different scenario. I think a lot when a lot of people online saw a substitute contract, they thought, Oh bleep. Who's not going down with the team to Orlando. That's not what happened is happening. Um, He is just, he's a substitute for that final two way uh, contract spot. So he is their 17th roster spot.
1: It really does feel uh, nostalgic to talk more about the transaction and the designation (laughs) more than the player. All right. So let's, let's talk about the player. So he's, he's on the roster. He can technically play. He's filling a two-way spot, even though it's not a two-way. Let's talk about the player. I went through a synergy from this season. It didn't take me that long to go through all of his <laughs> offensive possessions. <laughs> he didn't play all that much. For... While you we were
0: talking, I could go through all of his two-point field goal attempts because that's only like six or something like that. Yeah.
1: And that is what stood out to me because I was watching it and I was thinking like, are literally all of these shots three-pointers? And the answer is yes, pretty much. 51 three-point attempts this season 59 field goal attempts
0: so eight I was, close.
1: I was close yes uh they got blocked for the most part he he duffed a reverse layup that's a, a tough shot I get it man um he turned the ball over a little bit but like pretty much all we saw from him is feet cemented in the corner or on the wing catch and shoot you know the little dip on the basketball. And that's pretty much his synergy uh, output from this season because that is what he did. He ended up shooting 39% from three this season. He was at 40 last year. He played a little bit more. And that is uh, why he was available at this stage of the game, right?
0: Yeah, and for the most part, Dallas used him as a catch-and-shoot guy. Like There wasn't a whole lot coming off of a screen. He did not make a shot off of a pick-and-roll I went through the, he, he did make one shot off of a handoff. So maybe that's something they can grow, but there wasn't really a whole lot of diversity. Even with that shot profile, it's mostly stand in the corner, maybe, maybe move a little bit, step into a three in transition, but not a whole lot outside of that. I went back and I watched a little bit from the previous year. This This is how bored I am. A tiny bit more off of a screen, but still mostly spot up shooter. A pretty good spot up shooter, probably a real good spot up shooter. And because he's 6'6", like he can he will he'll, he'll, he'll get some spot up opportunities, but that's really like don't look for almost anything more than that. Yeah, like, he doesn't it, seem like he has real good decision making. He doesn't seem like he has any real vision. His defense obviously isn't there. Like he, he's a spot up shooter, and that's what he does.
1: And it's a little easier to play that position for the Dallas Mavericks, who probably have the best spacing in the NBA. They certainly have the best offense in the NBA. One of the best offenses. Is it the statistically the best offense of all time? Because they it's have there because they have Luca, they have Porzingis stretching the floor. They have all of these Shooting ball everywhere. handlers. Yeah. yep. They have Jalen Brunson and Dylan, Wright, Tim Hardaway bombing away threes. They're, they're very good. So he did not get a lot of time for them. I don't think that is like a huge indictment. They are a very good, very deep team, but yes, his, uh, Look, I mean, his skill set is what the Sixers need, but I would say if they uh, if they get to him in a playoff spot, I would say something has probably gone very wrong.
0: Very wrong, yeah. And and to your point, Dallas had a one fifteen point eight offensive rating. The sec that is the best in the league. Second was Houston Rockets. Houston was closer to the tenth ranked offense than they were to Dallas. Like there was a a very significant gap. That was a very good. Offensive team in Dallas with a lot of talent, um, but do I expect him to walk in here and and play playoff basketball? God, I hope not. Um, now I say that, and he's probably going to catch one game, catch fire one game where the Sixers are resting a lot of players, and there will be calls for him to play in the playoffs. I just I can't see any way he can he can hang defensively. So I don't want to make too much of him. And I I think we probably already broke our rule.
1: We definitely where we, did yeah. where we
0: spoke too much about Ryan Brokoff, um the anchor. Then he will play in the playoffs.
1: I, I agree. He uh good uh good pun name, as Bo Wolf pointed out on Twitter. Ryan broke off uh I don't I'm not as good as Bo is at this stuff,
0: but No, uh, you're definitely not. No. Neither am I, so that's okay. We have a different podcast. <laughs> Ryan right, broke um,
1: off a piece of that Kit Kat Bar. <laughs> Ryan broke off a piece of that candy Astrobroni. Uh yeah, it's pretty good.
0: All right. So the schedule finally came out, like you alluded to There was a big to-do about it um, for something that, for the Sixers specifically, has very little, if not no, impact on them or their season or their playoff hopes. But it starts off, the Sixers' schedule starts off, obviously, in Orlando, against uh, the Pacers on August 1st. Then they will play eight games in 14 days. Only one back-to-back, I believe, in there. But it's a lot of four games and five nights. Not not very many off days. Um, not not very many times where there's two days off in a row. In fact, I don't even know if there is. There isn't. It's, it's every day. other okay. day
1: except for the one back-to-back.
0: So it's a, it's going to be jam-packed, um, as we've discussed before. And I think it, it, we had speculated, or there was a report before, that basically they are going to take your remaining, of the 22 teams going down to Orlando, they would take your normal schedule, those the next eight games would generally be what your schedule would be. I think there was one change. Yep. It was... San
1: Antonio swapped in for the second Washington game.
0: Okay. But other than that, it's mostly... I think I saw somewhere, I think maybe Keith Pompey had this, which probably means it came from ESPN stats and info, but I think it was the third easiest remaining schedule of the 22 teams, which makes sense because the Sixers' normal schedule would have been relatively easy, and because they're playing in an Eastern Conference... Rather than the Western Conference, and you get your bronies like Washington mixed in here and Orlando. Not that it matters because the Sixers can lose to Orlando. Certainly in Orlando, they've already shown they can do that. So oh, you yeah. don't want to take anything for granted. But as we mentioned before, it probably doesn't matter all that much because fifth, sixth seed, or fourth, or fifth seed doesn't really matter. Highest they can get to is fourth. And there's an argument that maybe you want them to finish sixth to. Um, you know, to uh, avoid uh, Milwaukee. So we'll see. I think I saw something from Kevin Pelton because, of course, Kevin Pelton had this ready to go right when the schedule dropped. But the Sixers had, I think it was a 12% chance of moving up to the fourth seed and then basically a a split even chance of staying five or six. Um, So, yeah, 12.4% for 4255 Forty five point one six. Doesn't really matter.
1: No. They they've got a chance to move up to the four seed because Miami's schedule is brutal. It's I think it's not by just general strength of schedule where you're weighing the team's winning percentages, but I think if if you factor in a few other things some of some of these uh smart people have been able to do. They have the toughest schedule in the league and uh so they could drop down a couple spots but as you said the uh there's really no benefit to getting the four seed versus the five seed i mean you get to wear your home jerseys four times potentially and that is all all that is in play there and i think for, before this terrible uh pandemic struck and and everything was halted we speculated like do you actually want the five seed because miami is so good at home. And if you got to play on the road anyway, then you would avoid Milwaukee a second time. This is a little bit different. I think you convinced me a couple weeks ago that, uh, that Miami is the, the easier matchup and, and they are Boston is a better team than them. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a very good chance they could play in the, uh, in the four five, just because the, uh, the first game is a big deal against Indiana, because basically both those teams are tied right now. And the winner of that game will almost definitely have the tiebreaker among the two teams. If Indy wins, it's automatic. They have the season series 3-1. If the Sixers win, it would be tied 2-2. And then when you go down to the the tiebreaker that matters, I think it's like the fourth or fifth one down there. Conference record, the Sixers would be three games up with three Eastern Conference games left. So that first game is going to be very important in terms of uh, deciding who's going to get the four or the five seed. Here's a question for you. How do you think the Sixers are going to approach it? Do you think they are going to? I don't know. Like, like, what's the what's the goal here? What's the level of effort they're going to give?
0: So I think when players are in the game, I think they will give effort. I think what's going to come down to is how much do you want to rest him? Like if you say Joel Embiid, okay, you have eight games. We want to get you in five of those, but even back could even see Ben Simmons. I know, I know you don't want like Ben Simmons never really seems like he needs a rest, but he's coming back from that back injury. I could see them being like, okay, Ben, we're giving you four games here. So I could, you know, I, th- I think it's going to come down to more availability and how many of these players do you really even want playing eight games in 14 days? Certainly not with Embiid. although obviously you're going to want him in, in playoff shape. Like there's so many different competing interests. uh, I don't truthfully know, but I think, I think they'll play hard when they're in there because I think they've been off for so long that you almost have to, but it's, it's going to be availability.
1: What's the magic formula in terms of like, how do you ramp up correctly? You know, is that five games? Is that eight games where you play less minutes? I don't know. Um, I don't know how exactly they're going to handle it. I, I do think, like, if you wanted to tank, lose that first game, because then you could actually play pretty hard the rest of the way, and you still might be the sixth seed if uh, if you wanted to do that. So, yeah, that's important. And you know, I think we've we've been through most of the scenarios by now. You know, you, you'll either play Boston or or Toronto. I guess there's a chance Boston could, could catch Toronto for the two seed. But, uh, I, I think with the, uh, with the home court being removed, it, it becomes less interesting to me a yeah. little bit. It, it just kind of all feels the same. I know Milwaukee is the, uh, the 8,000 pound gorilla just in the Eastern Conference. You don't want to play them, but I think, uh, I can't get riled up if they, if they did move up to the the five seed and play the heat, because let's be honest. I mean, if they're not going to make the title, you might as well see them play against Jimmy Butler in the first round.
0: Yeah, sure. No, there's so many different weird competing issues because like I said, there's also the fact that you're either going with the starting lineup that really hasn't played well together all year or the starting lineup that has never played together all year. So you're going to need some time to get them like you. And if you start staggering, like okay, Joe, you've got off this game, and Ben, you've got off this next game, and maybe Tobias needs a night off, and Al needs a night off. All of a sudden, you're going to get the playoffs, and these guys aren't going to have played together at all. So I think it's it's going to be that's going to be a real tough because, like, I mean, like we've been saying, there's really no not a whole lot of consequence to these games. You just need the team playing well for what it really starts mattering.
1: Yeah, their schedule is easy. I think I'm looking at Hollinger's. He, he has it broken down by his. Strength of schedule, and uh, he has them second in the league. And I think they're second if you just add up the uh, what is it? the winning percentages of all the teams. I think New Orleans right. is the only team who has a uh, has an easier schedule. I'm sure there will be uh, plenty of conspiracies about the NBA trying to get Zion Williamson into the playoffs, despite the fact that New Orleans was due to have an very uh, a very easy schedule. Anyway, but yeah, it's, I mean, look, it's a lot of easy teams. When you play, when you play Washington here, I think that is like automatically yeah. going <laughs> to drag your, uh, your winning percentage down quite a bit. But, you know, they're, they're going to well, play and Phoenix, Phoenix late. And, they're yeah. playing Phoenix <laughs> late too, which means like they are almost assuredly going to be out of the playoffs. And I don't know who said this on Twitter. Somebody did, but I just wonder if like a team like Phoenix is out of it. I wonder if they're going to get out of bed that day when they play the Sixers. You know, like I just—I'm—I'm I'm not sure they'll even want to be there, even though their uh, their front offices and organizations pushed really hard for it. I just wonder. You know, the the fourth and fifth week there, you know, it feels like you've been at summer camp for too long, and and you can see the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, it's yeah, it's great to have basketball back. I think it's going to be at least for the first week, if they can pull this off, which I guess we'll get to next, like insane. I mean, like six games a day, five, five games a day from one o'clock to nine, you know, for somebody who has not had a lot in the background to watch. I don't know if you've seen my Twitter lately. I've been watching a lot of soccer lately. Uh, (laughs) This will be pretty good. Like, I think, uh, I think that first week back, as long as uh, there aren't a million pulled hamstrings and, other sort of soft tissue injuries. I think that's going to be a lot of fun when it when it comes back. The the question now turns to: uh, Can they pull it off in the uh, not the hot spot of the country, but Pretty one of the hotspots yeah. of the country?
0: What was it? I think it was nine thousand new cases on Thursday. I believe it was just a a skyrocket. Um, you've seen a an increase in hospitalizations, not yet in. Knock on wood, thank God. Not yet in terms of a uh, mortality rate, but there is a lot of concern down there in Florida. 16 of the, I think, 302 players who tested, who were tested by the NBA, NBA players who were tested, um, what I think it was the 23rd or the 24th, somewhere in that range, came back positive. Yep. Uh, the reason that they had that as a deadline, of course, was so they can now isolate for two weeks before heading down to Orlando and hopefully avoid anything or they would miss time down there. Um, but that is a, you know, a rate of right around 5%, which is actually a little bit under, I think, the national average. But you get into things of how many of the national average is based on people who are symptomatic versus what you would assume these 302 people were asymptomatic. So what does that really mean? But we'll see. And I mean, look, the NBA has a pretty detailed plan. It was a hundred and something page document of how they're going to handle this. Uh, the big concern, of course, is it not being a true bubble and the Disney employees and and them coming and going. And with the spike in, in, in cases down there, we'll see. I don't know, man. We'll see.
1: I I think that's really the only answer you can have is I don't know. I I will say that despite the fact that cases are skyrocketing in Orlando and the fact that unfortunately the the big problem there is the Disney employees, because those are the people who are going to be coming in and out of the bubble, I do think like the NBA has taken every precaution possible to try and get this off the ground and, and get this to be successful. I have no idea if it's gonna work. I, I think nope. the uh well the number was sixteen out of three oh two. The uh yes. that yeah. goes to show that you know, these NBA players, if you're worried about just players catching the coronavirus you know they're, they're not exactly safe in a lot of places in the country from uh, oh, from sure. catching it especially if they're working out or scrimmaging against any, anybody like you know I, I don't i'm sure you can find them on youtube but there are a lot of players who are working out and scrimmaging and you know just probably things you shouldn't be doing with the uh with the general population so i, I think there is like an argument to say that for some to maybe a lot of the players that it, it might be safer once you get down there and, and you get inside. Um, I, I wish that Florida had their shit together, but they, they clearly don't. I think hopefully, you know, they can get those numbers down in the next few weeks when they, when the Sixers and everybody else gets there. But, uh, I fully understand why, uh, like someone like Avery Bradley wouldn't want to play. Like, and I think the NBA to their credit didn't, levy a, a huge financial penalty against the players who didn't want to play. Right. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of them though, which goes to show like, I think a lot of the players understand the risks and it seems to me just from the, uh, the, sh- the number of players who, you know, opted out. Who was it? Like Bertans was another one. I think a was one. It-, it was a small number of players. Um, it seems like they want to play so you know i, I think they understand the risks i just uh you know the, you're not supposed to root for many things as a uh, as a journalist i really hope they can pull this off
0: but oh we uh, can we can certainly root for a basketball to be played and see people not to get sick and, and hospitalized yeah. i i think we're safe on that one rich
1: yeah yeah but yeah i think for you know hopefully they can they can keep it out and you know, the pe- the Disney World employees, I'm sure, you know, the ones that come in and out, they're going to have to be very far away from NBA players. I'm sure that the security, th- they'll do a really good job at that. Look, I mean, like, baseball's coming back. I have no idea how they're going to do that. Um, you know, they're, they're just going to play in their markets. Like, the Phillies are going to go play the Marlins. Uh I'm not sure about how that's going to go. So I think the NBA, to their credit, I think it has a more comprehensive plan to try and keep the virus out. And I can't wait for whatever the hell the NFL's plan is. It doesn't seem like they have much of one. Now, I think the NBA has the, uh, has the best plan, but doesn't mean it's going to work. And, uh, and they, they certainly did not pick the perfect state for this to happen.
0: Um, no, and I mean it's it's just a shame. Most of the places that would have the facilities and the place where you can create a bubble type environment are um, they're, they're, very, struggling right they're, ve- they're, they're struggling yeah, right they're, now. They're
1: they're yeah. And there are very few of those places too. Like sometimes right. people would be like, put it in Montana, put it in Canada. It's like they don't have the facilities to do this. Like there's a reason Vegas and Disney World were like the two places that they considered. It's hard to find three NBA gyms and hotels and be able to section it off from the rest of the uh, the population. But uh, yeah, it's an imperfect solution because of what is happening there. And it's I, – I just – can we have one day in Florida where it's not like the worst news in the world? It just keeps going up. It's like 2,000 cases, 4,000 cases, 5,000 cases to 9,000 cases. What's going yeah. on?
0: i mean that that's a the big part like i think the sixers get down there um july 9th yeah we have no idea what florida is going to look like july 9th like what what are hospital beds going to look like what's case rate going to look like we have we have no idea and there's like when you see a spike of 9000 in one day in florida like there's so many concerns that are larger than basketball but we happen to be a basketball podcast but there's just so much that it's like can we just like all right, i'm i'm going to start ending up on my twitter rants but just wear a mask. Like it's such a small thing. You can do a little bit, just do your little bit to try to get this fucking pandemic under control. So we can all go back. We can reopen the economy as much as we reasonably can. We can get sports back. We can get some semblance of human life. And Oh, by the way, you might save a life too. Just wear a mask. It's really not that hard. It's not let's let's cancel. Let's sh- shut the podcast down. I don't need to get on a rant. I've already lost you- enough followers on Twitter.
1: Yeah. I don't think you need to get on a rant either, but I agree where, where am people. Do your part. Do your part. Okay. Uh, is that it? Yeah. That's, that's about it. Right.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I guess we'll have we, some practices we next week. The, well, there will be, I think it's still like, like informal sort of like individualized type stuff next week. I don't think they're having like full, um, you know, five on five organized type practices, but yes, there will be players. And, uh, you know, formal practices start then when they get down to Orlando. And I think Sixers are last among the last group to get down to Orlando. Right. I think they're in that. Um, yeah. They're on the last July day. 9th. Yeah. So still a little bit, we still have a, a podcast or two of making shit up, but at least we had um, <laughs> Ryan broke off to talk about this time to give us a little bit to, to go on.
1: Right. Ryan broke off our making up stuff on podcast
0: streak. So. <laughs> yes. Anyway, have a good one, rich. We'll talk to you soon. See you, man.